Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Bigfoot Learning Podcast. The podcast that does not focus on the fictional creature of Bigfoot, but on learning, especially from those who have stepped into our lives, leaving lessons left on our minds. I am your host, Monica Tooze. Today's guest is John Wilcom. John is a former Division I basketball player at Marquette University. He is the author of Walk on Warrior and No Fear in the Arena. In this episode, we touch on the powerful lessons that can be found from the worlds of basketball and books. Thank you for joining today, John. Thanks for having me, Monica. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And so one of the things that really jumped out at me while I was three, reading through both their books, Walk on Warrior and No Fear in the Arena, for there is you know, not only the sense that you love basketball, because you wrote two books about basketball, but as you share your own life with basketball, like not only did you play the sport, follow the sport, but you did coaching. You even created some basketball camps with um, Mike Lee and some other people. And uh, with all of that, just your passion for basketball just oozes off of the pages and throughout your life that you share and so what I wanted to check in first is John what do you love the most about basketball (laughs) that's a great question um it's one of those things that I've always just loved to do um it's not like I I only played basketball growing up I played a bunch of sports I played football I ran track played soccer um but I kind of just got to a point where I would rather be playing basketball than doing the other things And so it's not that I wanted to like specialize in basketball or, you know, had a trainer kind of tugging at me to say, Hey, you should only do this all the time. It's just what I enjoyed doing. Um, so, you know, even when I was in high school, I I lived really close to our, our high school and I went in every morning in the fall, you know, at five 36 in the morning and just work out by myself and, you know, the, the janitors and the staff are walking in through the gym and like, this guy's out of his mind. Like he's something wrong with him. Um, but I just love doing that. And so I think anytime you, you know, you put your efforts and you're kind of true to yourself in that way, in terms of what do you actually love to do? You know, how do you want to spend your time? I think, you know, naturally then it doesn't feel like work. Um, it feels like it feels fun. And, um, So whether it was playing basketball, coaching basketball, you know, writing a couple books, um, these are all just kind of ways for me to stay connected to the game. And um, I guess just be true to myself in that way by doing the things that I'm passionate about. That's awesome. And I know I personally resonate with that because I love basketball and uh, try to keep it in my life in some form or fashion. Um, as much as I can. And I can only hope that the other readers, you know, who also share the love for the sport, you know, get the opportunity to continue to be able to learn more about not only the sport, but then others who have been through the sport. And, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about basketball is how you know you can practice and train on your own but then really the biggest thing is you can only go so far on your own and then it's the whole team side and everything you are able to take out of there and so with that in mind wanting to touch on your time that you were with the Marquette Golden Eagles and when you were a part of the team you know that had a lot of ups and downs highs and lows grueling times and also positives all throughout 
So I wanted to, you know, hear out from you what you would say, you know, your favorite parts of that time that you were able to have with the team and also what were the most challenging parts? So kind of like the highest highs and like the lowest lows for you. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, that was like almost 20 years ago. I'm almost 40 years old. So it's crazy to think back to, to some of those days. But I would say, I think some of the highest highs, we'll start with the positives first. Um, one of the first things is that when you play big time college basketball and you just see all the resources that go into it and being a small town kid who you know, kind of grew, grew up in a blue collar environment. My parents worked hard and, you know, we had enough, but, but not, you know, anything in terms of surplus. Um, so when you walk into a locker room and you have your own area and you get new shoes all the time, and, you know, you have fancy practice gear and warm ups and other just gear to wear around campus, you know, when you're 18 or 19 years old, it's like, this is amazing. You know, mm -hmm. like, I begged my mom for new shoes for, you know, probably 16 of the past 18 years. And she would say, no, wear what you got. And now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I have all these different shoes I can pick from and they're the latest and greatest. And, you know, Nike's given us all this gear. So that was really cool for me. Um, you know, we had even things like free Gatorade in the locker room. And um, it just, I think a little things like that when you're, um, when you come from a background, maybe where you don't, you know, have all of that just given to you, um, that's all pretty cool. Um, and I think on the flip side, you know, playing division one sports, playing any college sports, it's hard. I mean, it's grueling. And so I think going back to kind of your first question is it's easy to kind of get weeded out if you don't love being there, because, you know, if you're just physically kind of at the end of your rope and you don't want to practice anymore. You've already been going for three hours. I mean, human instinct is like, well, why don't I just go do something else? And so mm -hmm. you really have to be committed and you have to have some personal and again, team goals in mind. Like, why are you there? And um, you kind of just have to take things one step at a time. And I think I talked about that um, kind of in both books, but just when you're young, you kind of have this natural inclination of like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I've never done it. How could I possibly like figure this out? But then, you know, you, you spend time around older players and they're like, you know, don't worry that practice is going to be three hours long. Just do one thing at a time, focus on giving your best effort in that thing, and then go on to the next thing. And when you kind of approach things like that, the whole just the whole thing doesn't seem so, you know, insurmountable um, versus being able to just focus on kind of what's in front of you. And um, that's kind of how I learned to approach things. And quite frankly, how I approach things now. Okay. So a little bit of you know, perspective and mindset and how that can help out during those tough times and then also kind of outside of the court as well um so cool i you may have just answered this other question that came to mind um i still want to hear your thoughts on it john if you had a time machine and you traveled back to that season when you were with marquette if you could tell yourself at that time any words of advice or wisdom, what would you share with your younger self? I think I would just say, keep going. You know, you never, you never realize like what you're blessed with until maybe it's over or you have time to like go back and look at all of it and say, hey, like you said, there were some good things. There were some bad things. There were days when it was really hard and I wanted to quit. And there's other days when you had just tremendous highs and you just kind of felt like you're on top of the world. And so, you know, I just, I look back 
even now at, at all of those experiences with basketball. And I just said, you know, I learned so much from all the people I was around, you know, like, did I ever think I would write a book, much less two books? Hell no. Like I had no intention of, of doing that, but I think one of the, the, the mindset things from the books was just, you know, like one action leads to another action. And that's one of the reasons why I love, you know, podcasts like this one is people listening to this are like, well, what can I do today that's going to influence tomorrow? And I don't think it necessarily matters what you do, but you have to do something because if you don't do anything, then you can pretty much guarantee where you're going to be at tomorrow. And I think that one of the beautiful things in life is just when you put yourself out there, you know, when you, when you take a little bit of risk and you open yourself up maybe to some scrutiny, um, you don't know necessarily like what's coming, but to me, the majority of the time, there's more good that comes with that than bad. And oftentimes like what comes out of it is things you may not have expected when you started. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. And that's one of the great things about, you know, being a human being on this earth. True. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen or what's going to show up, but if you don't take those risks or at least try something, you're just going to stay in the same spot. And Absolutely. And yeah, even though risk can be scary, it, it keeps life entertaining and a little bit more colorful. I'm sure when you started this podcast, you started, you know, writing your blog, I'm sure you had a, a vision of what it could be, but mm -hmm. you know, you never know, like when you start, you know, the fact that you and I are even talking to each other and, um, you know, have a chance to interact. I think, uh, that's one of the, the cool things, whether you're a, a writer or a podcaster, or you, you know, speak on a stage for a living. It's just the connections that you meet and, the amazing thing with the internet nowadays is you can be connected to so many people, you know, without maybe ever physically meeting them, which is, which is pretty, pretty bizarre for people to think about 20 years ago. But, um, you know, we are so connected globally today. It's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, then yeah, the different opportunities and stuff you can learn and uh, yeah, when, the you know opportunities are endless and it's seeing what you can do and who you can learn from and going from there and um yeah it can bring up some special opportunities and you know just even connections and getting to know others and so uh you know thinking about yourself you know even though you're playing basketball days you know or at least officially because um you may do like pick up here or there or something i that part i'm not sure if you still try to do at this time um but at least you know eventually your time playing organized basketball came to an end and that bringing up different reflections and questions in terms of, okay, what's the next step outside of here? And uh, from there, I appreciated you adding and sharing about a little bit of your life after your basketball playing days, some of that including like your coaching and then some of your internships and going to sales and business and all of there. And so one of the things that always piques my interest in a way, especially with being a former basketball player as well, is are there any skills or takeaways from basketball that you've transferred to your life and especially towards the pro professional domain areas of your life that may not necessarily be directly related to basketball, but you, you can kind of look back and see like, oh, like, yeah, 
this that I learned I could tie back to my playing days or this one moment with playing here and different things like that. So anything stick out that way in terms of transferable skills or lessons from basketball to your work life now? Yeah, absolutely. I I honestly think um, so much of it transfers over, you know, I think number one, the first word that probably comes to mind is just competitiveness. Like Mm. I love to compete. Um, You know, going into sales was kind of a natural fit for me because there was a score to be kept. And, um, you know, the fact that, you know, my boss would look at my sales performance after six months or a year and compare it to other people on the team or in the United States. Um, that was motivating to me. And, you know, I, I talked about that in the book a little bit, but I was fortunate to work for a company out of college that basically said, um, this is about performance. And so whether John's 22 or, you know, someone's been working here for 20 years, um, the person that sells the most stuff, um, you know, gets an award or gets promoted or gets a bonus. And so I thought that was really exciting because ultimately I needed to figure out, okay, I'm really motivated and I'm competitive, but I'm not skilled as a salesperson and I have no experience. And so how do I um, be realistic about that and learn from the people around me and, you know, read and watch YouTube videos and just like get my skill set up to a point where that's not a deficiency for me. And then obviously continue to have that hunger to do well. And I think if you, if you mix those two things, if your ability level is high and your motivation level is high, you're going to do, do really, really well. So I think, you know, being competitive was probably the the first thing people talk about teamwork, but your whole life, you have to work with others, you know, unless you have just a one person solopreneur type of a company, but even then typically you're talking to other people, you're might be selling them something, you know, and communication doesn't always have to be, you know, verbal, you know, maybe you're a, a great writer or a designer in some way, but you have to be able to get messages across to others. So I think, um, being a good communicator is a big one. And then, um, I think last but not least, I mean, you just learn to work hard. So going back to the competitive piece, it's like there is a there's a relativity to everything in life. So if John says, I worked super hard yesterday and Monica's like, I worked harder. It's like, well, how do you actually measure that? And that was one of the cool things about being in the sales job is ultimately, you know, I kind of could measure it and it was about results. And if I you know, tried to sell 10 people something and zero people bought, it doesn't mean I didn't work hard, but I have kind of nothing to show for it. And that's just reality. And so, um, I don't know, like I said, I've, I work in kind of a global e-commerce role today and, you know, not a week goes by when I don't think about, you know, how to motivate the people on my team or how to, you know, um, up their skill sets in some way. And just find ways to like work together to kind of get the most out of our, our collective skill sets. Nice. Uh, the, I like that you brought up about the competitive nature and then also you know the leadership side, which you know, with Walk on Warrior, you're sharing about yourself, and then in No Fear in the Arena, sharing about Travis Diener, and I would say those competitiveness, you know, with the hard work being put in day in and day out, and then also that leadership, that's by example, that's spoken at a very high volume, like that is some of the similarities that seem to shine out for both you and Travis and oh you know keeping in mind your book about Travis and also I'll get a little bit more into you know 
putting those books together in general, but before getting there, um, you know, what led you to, you know, you got one book that you finished. What led you to say, oh, I want to write about Travis Diener for this second book of mine? Yeah. So um, the first book of mine took no joke. It, it like was worked on over a 13 year period. And so one of the things that I'm proud of is that there were parts of that book that were written when I was in college. And when I went back to read some of those things, I'm like, I don't know if I feel the same way as I did 13 years ago, but I'm like, that's kind of the beauty of this story is that you do evolve as a, as a person and what seemed, you know, insurmountable to me when I was 18, 19, it may have looked different to me when I was 32. Um, but you go through that process and it is a lot of hard work and it's a lot of late nights. And when you finally finish it, you're like, you know, I can't believe I did this. Um, but then you're obviously like, you know, you're, you're proud to show it off and you kind of get to a point too emotionally where you just say like, how much of your own life do you want to share with random people? Um, mm -hmm. And so you have to find like a comfort level with that too. I think I, I'd never thought I would write a second book. But the interesting thing is that, um, so Travis and I grew up about two hours from each other. And um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I, I was a good player. I was, um, I was starting on the varsity and there's a, there's a publication in the state of Wisconsin that comes out. It's called the, the Wisconsin Basketball Yearbook. And um, I ordered this thing. It was like 15 bucks. And it's like this big book that gets shipped to your front door. And it has like, pictures and like the teams, every high school team in the state and like the rankings, both for teams and players. And on the cover of that, that book is a picture of Travis Diener and Travis and I are both like six foot white guys, you know, and I saw that and I was just like, wow, like I've never heard of this guy. He must be pretty good if he's on the cover. And so, um, long story short, I went to go watch Travis play uh, when he was a senior and I was a sophomore and my dad and I drove over on a Tuesday night and it was snowing and we almost didn't go and we get there and we watched Travis just put on an absolute show and he was playing for the best high school team in the state of Wisconsin. They were ironically playing the second best team. So he not only was amazing, but he was amazing against other very, very good players. And, you know, I just, I drove home that night with my dad thinking this is probably the best high school game player that I had ever seen. Just realistically, um, just so dominant for who he was and fast forward, you know, four years later and, um, I make the team at Marquette and, and Travis is our star point guard. And my job essentially every day is to shut Travis down in practice <laughs> which, um, is extremely difficult. You know, Travis, uh, was just an incredible competitor, uh, just had skills that were almost unguardable. And, um, you know, we had our back and forth, but it was, that's kind of the relationship we had for a year. Um, Travis had an all American career at, at Marquette. He gets drafted by the Orlando magic. Um, and then he goes on to play professional basketball, like well into his late thirties. And so I guess just to go back to your question, like why write a book about this guy? I think from the start, like I love basketball. Number two, I had a personal connection to him and I had reached out to Travis and, and he had shown some interest in wanting to do a book project. And I kind of just thought to myself, like, I'm the I'm the best person to write this because I've spent so much time around you. Um, I know you and um, I know a lot of people that know you too. And so um, anyway, I think the whole project was just, it was very personal for me. It was one of those books where um, I would interview people and I would just sit there like either shaking my head or laughing or because I could just picture 
what was actually happening when they were describing some of these stories. And so um, the entire project was just, it was very enjoyable for me. I got to meet some amazing people. I got to interview Dwayne Wade of all people. And um, it was just, a, it was a lot of fun to work on. I can only imagine. I I know after growing up in Wisconsin, I would like hear about Travis Diener here and there. So I would try uh while he had his professional career to especially like within the NBA to kinda at least keep an eye on him and like see how he's doing. And then I feel like I didn't know too much in terms of his international professional play and so I really enjoyed getting to learn more about that part and and then also re learning and revisiting a bit of the basketball tournament times and I remember yeah. being making sure I was in front of a tv to see that championship game and seeing him get the ball in the corner I'm like oh he's gonna make it and then just drains it so oh. um yeah um, both of them were great to read and it, I especially uh it was fun to read for no fear in the arena just because of knowing I feel like like pockets about Travis Diener beforehand so being able to get some of those gaps filled in and be able to you know learn more about him as a person as well was pretty fascinating so appreciate you sharing his story with others absolutely yeah I think um one of the fun parts about that book is like my first book obviously it's about yourself so you can choose to tell whatever you want to tell um but it's a whole different ball of wax when all of a sudden you're interviewing all these other people about someone else. And so in a lot of these interviews, you know, you really need to dig. It's like, you know, mm. take me there, like, tell me what actually happened. You know, I posted something on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was, it was a video that someone had sent me from a basketball game that Travis played in Serbia. And I had talked to multiple people in this book and they said, you know, one of the craziest games of Travis's life is this game in Serbia. And it's like, okay. You know, um, but you're, you're talking to a lot of these, you know, old men even that were like, no, it was crazy. Like, you know, people were throwing things on the court. We thought we were going to like die in this gym. It was the most wild environment you've ever been to. You know, Travis's cousin Drake was, sitting on the bench and he just gets pelted in the back with like a, you know, 64 ounce soda. So his entire back of his Jersey is just Brown. And he's like, it was brutal. It was terrible. But, um, you know, the, the story, and this is, you know, talked about in the book is that, uh, right before halftime, Travis hits a, like a three pointer. And, uh, I think the game is tied. So it's halftime and the fans just go berserk and start throwing everything onto the court, including car keys and like things that could probably actually hurt you if you got hit in the face with like some car keys. So all the teams are sprinting to the tunnels, trying to get out of like this chaos. And Travis is like standing at half court, just like yelling at the fans. And you just imagine this. And some of his teammates were like, I'm standing under this tunnel watching this. Like you're at first you're like, get over here. But then all of a sudden you're just like kind of an admiration of like, this guy is so in the moment and is such a, just, he's just such a crazy competitor that he just kind of like lived for those types of moments. And so anyway, to, to write about it, to hear all these players talk about it. And then, um, to see this video, um, I'll have to send it to you from the crowd at that game, uh, it just gave me chills. It was like, wow, this is, uh, this is intense. And I could see why a lot of these guys talk the way they did about going to play in Serbia. Wow. Yeah. It's, I've only heard stories of how some of the 
professional games can be out and like I feel like across Europe a bit but especially in some different areas like it can get intense and like it which at the same time as it's like oh like this concerns for safety you're also seeing those fans have a passion for Uh their team and then the sport and so yeah that's a wild experience it is yeah i mean other players you know that even still live in italy talked about how some of these cities you know if you lost a game on a you know italian league games are played on sundays and if you lost a game you know the entire next week the whole community is just down you know like visibly almost upset and so you're walking around these towns and people aren't as friendly and you know a lot of the hellos and stuff just kind of seem to disappear and so um you know italian league just as an example you only play 30 games versus an nba season you play 82 and so um to your point it it really is kind of tied into the community and how people treat each other and kind of how they go about their day based on whether the team lost or, or won on a sunday Mm -hmm. wow well i know we've been talking a bit about your books and also as far as ever you're like an avid reader and you enjoy to read as well and um i'd seen recently that you shared I believe on Twitter about you have a new website it's called um I don't want to butcher it uh books about basketball and books about sports yeah books, books about it. sports you got it <laughs> and so with that being an opportunity to share with others about kind of your thoughts on different sports books and then you know if that would help out others who are maybe struggling to figure out they love reading they love sports but what's that next book they could read and such so with keeping all of that in mind John do you have a favorite sports book that you've enjoyed reading and maybe like you recommend to others or you just like it's one of your favorites or if you have a couple that's okay too i i struggle at narrowing down like favorite books for stuff so if that's the case that's quite all right too yeah absolutely yeah so i i kind of just started this website on a whim uh, and part of it was i just i wanted to give a voice uh to authors first and foremost um and we're gonna experiment with some some interviews and just some things um, just to give them a voice to kind of promote their books, tell people about, you know, who they are and what they, what they wrote and why people should read it. And then to your point, um, really just to give sports fans kind of a place to go to, you know, if you're a a teenager and you love football, like what are some good teenage football books, just as an example. And so I think that um, there really isn't a lot of content out there like that. So hopefully this fills kind of a gap for people to answer your question. Um, my all time favorite sports book is open, uh, by Andre Agassi. Have you read that book? I have not yet. Uh, but it's on my list. I've had a couple people recommend it. So it's one that I definitely want to eventually. So this book, uh, I feel like the, the way that it's written, it, and this sounds very ironic, but it, it, he's just so open about the way that he talks about things and um, almost too open. Like, you know, there's a part of the book where he he talks about um, dating Brooke Shields and they've been dating for two years and they're on vacation in Hawaii, I think. And he basically said, you know, I kept thinking to myself, all right, it's the two year mark. We're either going to get married or we're going to break up. So kind of on a whim, he decides to propose. And so he gets down on a knee on the beach, he proposes. And then as they're like walking back to the hotel, he's 
you know, telling the audience that he's like, I just kept thinking to myself, this was like the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> and so it takes, I mean, most people would never say that stuff out loud, even if that's the way that you felt, but the whole book is kind of written that way. And I think a lot of people assume Andre Agassi, you know, was the way he was, I don't know, for different reasons. But when you actually peel back some of the layers and you, you know, learn that his father was just obsessed with trying to make him a great tennis player. And, you know, he grew up in Las Vegas and he shipped him to a, a boarding tennis academy when he was like 11 or 12 years old. And, you know, one of the reasons why he wore, you know, cut off jean shorts and, you know, grew his hair and wore all these crazy colored shirts is because he wanted to get kicked out of the tennis academy to go home. And so, um, it's really, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like emotional trauma that he experienced at a young age that, you know, wasn't a good thing, you know? And I think there's so many athletes that, you know, whether it's situations at home or things that happen to them that, you know, become great at something and you look back at the circumstances and you wouldn't wish that on anybody, but, um, he really has an, an amazing story. And, um, I think just to, to kind of conclude, you know, one of the, one of the craziest parts about this book is that when he was 16 years old, he played in the French, I think it was the French open and he wins like the under 16 championship. And the women's winner was uh, a young woman named Steffi Graf, who went on to become one of the greatest women's tennis players ever. And so, um, they have like a banquet at the end of the, the French open and the two winners were supposed to dance with each other at the banquet. So he asked her to dance and she says, no. <laughs> <laughs> and ironically, you know, both of them, you know, grow up, become some of the greatest tennis players in the world. They are both divorced. And then in their late thirties, they end up marrying each other. And um, so it's just, it again, pretty crazy how, how life works and, um, but the guy that wrote that book, um, kind of the ghost writer, his name is J.R. Moringer, and he's the same person that wrote Shoe Dog for Phil Knight. Oh, okay. And he also wrote um, Spare for Prince Harry, which just came out and is like a bestseller. I haven't read that, but um, I almost want to read it just because he's a phenomenal storyteller, and um, he's just a he's a tremendous writer. Now, Shoe Dog is. A book I have read and yeah I've, I thought that was really well laid out storytelling wise and such so okay o opens moving up to my list of upcoming books then it's moved up that list okay um the guy that wrote it so J.R. Moringer um you know he claimed that he spent more than 250 hours with Andre Agassi and he almost like called them kind of therapy sessions because, you know, they went back to all of these somewhat traumatic times in his life um, mm -hmm. where he was just venting about all of this stuff. So um, I can imagine that there were probably, you know, tears shed and, you know, mm -hmm. it could be quite emotional when you're thinking back to, you know, things with his father and just uh, times in his life when, you know, things were just really, really hard or, um, probably not the way they should have been. So it is, it's kind of fascinating to look at that and to, to almost be an autobiographer for someone and to translate that into a, a story that we all read and, and think is amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that recommendation. And yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you've shared that you've, learn from books from basketball and uh, um it sounds like a a little bit all over in terms of you know feeding into that hard work quality that you have and feeding into that competitiveness nature to keeping in mind learning throughout your life like, how would you describe your relationship with learning has been throughout your life? 
I think it's always just been a continuous, you know, process for me. I think I, like when I was younger, people would say, you have to read, you know, 15 pages of this book. And it was like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I don't want to do this. But now it's like, I, I love reading books. You know, I love even like picking up a newspaper and just, you know, cascading to sections that I find interesting. Um, I love listening to podcasts or watching like short YouTube videos on like how to do things. So I think that, you know, I guess this goes back to the books a little bit, but it's, you know, we all are different. We all have different interests and we all find different things interesting. And I think that's one of the, probably the coolest things about the internet is just that you can really teach yourself to do anything. And, you know, when I got done with college and I got my first job and they moved me to Utah and my best friend at the time was constantly learning how to do things on YouTube. Like he taught himself how to play the piano. He had, you know, never snowboarded a day in his life. And all of a sudden he's like going off of big ramps and just from watching YouTube tips and how to be a better snowboarder. And so I just think that um, when you kind of have that desire, but the desire has to, it has to kind of combine with the things that you actually find interesting. And then you just need to kind of go with it. And I think, um, you know, the reality is all of us probably at some point just can't do exactly what we love all day because we might need to earn a paycheck or go to work. And eventually, even if you like your job, it feels like work. Um, and that's okay. Um, but I think that if you can find ways to maybe cross or check that box and then still find ways to explore your passions, whether it's, you know, part of your day job or just on the side, those are all really good things. Gotcha. All right. Well, now we're going to dive a bit into some of the show's core questions and relating back to the title of the show with Bigfoot learning and now taking a step back and seeing you know, who in your life has been a Bigfoot in terms of they came into your life and maybe the impression they left on your mind by that stepping into your life could have been positive or negative, but it's stuck with you, left some life lessons that you've taken with you going forward. And so with that all in mind, who would you consider as some personal Bigfoots in your life for those that you have either met in person or like due to how technology has involved evolved over the years um you know even over um technology if you haven't met physically in person but being able to make more of a connection compared to uh, what the next question will hit on yeah, for sure. Uh, I think a few people come to mind. The first one is a guy named Joe Konichny. Um, Joe was a youth basketball coach of mine, and he really was the first person that kind of just got me dreaming bigger and just said, you know, you can be a great high school player if you want to do that, or you can go play in college. Um, and you need to start, you know, putting in the work now. You need to start setting your vision kind of um, ahead and just get the absolute most out of like your ability. And I think that always kind of stuck with me was you're never going to reg regret doing all of those things and getting as far as you can go um, versus just almost kind of, kind of hovering and hovering up and say, you know, I'm just not going to, going to put in the effort. Um, Cause I just don't think it's possible. So I think he, he's definitely one. The second one would be a guy named Dave cooks. Um, I coached basketball with, with coach cooks and he is also a somewhat famous author. He wrote a book called from paralysis to purpose, um, and has a kind of accompanying podcast. There's a lot of speaking, but coach cooks was, um, he woke up when he was 15 and he couldn't walk. And he basically had had a spinal aneurysm when he was sleeping. And he went from being, you know, this athletic, you know, kid to, being paralyzed from the waist down. 
And I think, you know, so many people, it's like, well, what, what would you do at that point? And you know, he's had an amazing life and he's, you know, gone to college and gotten an MBA and he, he was in a, you know, a, a manager at, at Duke university when they won national championships back in the, the early nineties. But he has just been a tremendous mentor to me and is someone I look up to. And then I think, um, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to a guy named Steve Keon. Uh, Steve was my first boss and kind of like the other two, he was, you know, he was just such a good person to be around because he kind of set those expectations of what, you know, why do you want to be just the best salesperson in Utah when you could be the best in the U S and it's like, well, I'm don't have any sales experience and I don't really know how to do this job. And, um, I had all of these excuses and he kind of was just like, well, then we need to, you know, you need to put in the time and the effort to learn and get your skill set up. And, um, I always, you know, look back on those times and there's a lot of frustrating times when you're trying to learn something new. But um, when you have somebody like that in that in, in your corner that, you know, ultimately believes in you, that you trust. So when they're pushing you, you keep going and you don't just quit. Um, you know, he he really kind of helped catapult my career. And I don't think I would be where I am today without him. Wow, thank you for sharing it. Seems like each of them pushed you to like think bigger for yourself, dream bigger, and also sound like they were human beings in general that you look up to in terms of that side as well. So um appreciate you sharing about each of those and uh, then to take a step backwards who would you consider as Bigfoot from afar for yourself for maybe authors you've read their books and enjoyed their works or um, videos or coaches or teams different things where you haven't been able to make that personal connection, but I've been able to take something from what they have done and shared in life. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of them. I'll break them down just into a few categories. So one, I love Eric Thomas as a motivational speaker. He's got a ton of stuff on YouTube. He speaks to college teams and pro teams. You know, he's, he's loud, he's motivating. Um, he's a guy that just kind of came from nothing and like created this, this amazing, just kind of euphoria uh, around who he is and who he wanted to become. So I'd say he's, he's someone I, I look up to and, you know, some days when I'm jogging on the treadmill and I just really need to pick me up, I'll just like put that in my headphones and kind of gets me going. Um, I mentioned the Andre Agassi book. I think I admire any storyteller that, really like opens up and is raw and authentic about whatever they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think there's just, there's so many books that are, they're good books. Don't get me wrong, but that are so sugar coated and they kind of just, they give you a, a bit of the truth and then they kind of move on to the next thing. And I think that that was one of the things that I just tried to like instill in my own writing was, yeah, I wanted to take people there you know, I wanted them to experience what it was actually like. And I didn't want to just say, you know, it was hard. It's like, what does that mean? You know, how hard was it? And I think writers that can, you know, kind of really get at the root of why things were the way that they were, or, um, you know, why Andre Agassi had the mental state that he did and, you know, who his father actually was, those make for, for just tremendous books. So, I would say, uh, I would say Andre Agassi and that, that book open would be another one. All right. Sounds like a bit of motivation and that like vulnerable honesty from, um, the examples that you shared there. So awesome. Well then take one more step back and this question I like to have fun with and seeing like what, 
answers people end up providing. So, John, who do you consider as a fictional Bigfoot for yourself, either as a character or like a story at large that's fictional? Fictional character. Hmm. I, I'm going to say this. And this might make people laugh, but I'm saying it because I have two little girls who are four and two. And my two-year-old right now, she is obsessed with the movie Sing 2. So every day she comes home and she wants to like have a snack and watch Sing 2. And it's like, we've watched this like 40 times. So um, yeah, it's a great movie, but um, I love the character Buster Moon. And so for anyone that's seen the movie, uh, he's played by Matthew McConaughey, and he's basically um, trying to create this this show, this Vegas-like show. And um, I love his perseverance. I love his his attitude, can-do attitude. And, um, you know, there's multiple times in the movie where it doesn't look like the show is going to happen, and he can't get the right people to be in the show, um, and he pulls it off. And so uh, I would say I would say Buster Moon is the guy. I like that. I I feel like Buster Moon kind of fits well with who you are and like that perseverance and determination side. So um, thank you for sharing there. And um, yeah, it's amazing the different characters or you know, what we can pull from different areas of life to be able to, you know, you learn from or admire what others have done or what they're doing and such. And so with, I know we've kind of covered a lot of different areas of your life and your work. So keeping everything in mind for there, John, if you had the opportunity to Put in your own definition of learning in the dictionary, your John spin or flavor onto it. How would you define learning? I would say it's probably the continuous, um, the continuous pursuit of living. Ooh. I think it's, you know, that's what life is you're, you're constantly like learning new things. And if you aren't, I don't really think you're living. And I think, um, to me, learning and, and happiness are really kind of connected. I mm -hmm. feel like we are happy when we're, we're learning new things that could be about ourselves. They could be about our partner or our kids. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things I think about sometimes, like when I'm laying in bed is just, what am I excited about tomorrow? And I would say that 99% of the time, even if it's something I'm like a little nervous about, it's because I am almost being forced to learn something new, whether it's me presenting to someone or trying to figure out and solve some problem, or, you know, I'm going to create this website and people might hate it, you know, but I think that, um, you know, I was just reading an interview by sister Jean who's uh, the Loyola basketball fan. She just wrote a book. I think she's 103 years old. And she just, she said something that really kind of stuck with me, which is like, you know, every night when I go to bed, I try to not think about any of the bad things that happened. I try to instead like remind myself of the good things that happened during the day so that I feel accomplished. And I think that that makes a, a world of difference sometimes because all of a sudden you're in a good mindset when you fall asleep. And again, you wake up excited to do something. And so, um, I guess I would just kind of leave listeners with that is you can go to bed. And even if your day was hard, try to brush that stuff to the side, put some positive thoughts into your head, try to get excited about what's coming in the morning. And, um, hopefully you'll sleep better and also have a, have a good, a good day the next day. True, true. Oh, that's very powerful. And 
I feel like that's a nice, succinct way of being able to, you know, have that reminder and view of life through like that lens of learning and, and then the addition of like the mindset and such. So no, that's great. Um, I know we're getting near the end of time. So John, if after someone listens to this episode and they're like, oh, I want to reach out to John or I want to learn more or find out more about John, where can people find you and learn more about you? Yeah, um, I would say definitely reach out to me on Twitter um, at John Welcome. As, I, as we talked about, I just launched a new website called booksaboutsports.com. And uh, feel free to check out the sites if you think all the books I'm recommending are terrible. Um, by all means, send me an email. Um, so I'd love to interact there. And then um, also feel free to check out um, either one of my books, whether it's Walk On Warrior or No Fear in the Arena are both available on Amazon. And um, hope you enjoy them. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, John. And for all of you out there, continue to see how you can keep on learning each and every day and and see how you can learn either through how life presents competitive opportunities, that hard work, and having that mindset to find what's exciting and what will challenge you for the past day and the upcoming day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bigfoot Learning Podcast. Now is the part of the show where we do a little post-episode reflection and final thoughts before finally wrapping things up. One of the main things that stuck out to me while working on this episode is how much it reminded me a bit of the previous guest that we had on Phelan in a certain regard. So for both of these individuals, they had put together books and each of those books had them sharing about themselves and so keeping in mind okay how can I approach these interviews without necessarily regurgitating or having too much of their work shared so that people can still go in if interested buy and read the books that they have put out as well with that all turning through my mind I felt like it presented a great opportunity to try to see what questions to prepare with and being creative and seeing what areas to maybe ask for further elaboration or see if there's certain stories that definitely want kind of like I got sports on the brain um yeah any areas of the the books that stuck out the most and try to check in on those areas either hearing more this time in audio version or just further digging and learning at that time and uh, I I had a blast, and I always enjoy when I can you know, talk with others and discuss about similar interests, and this time being with basketball and books, along with learning, as is the theme of the show. And with all those in mind, I highly recommend and encourage, if you enjoy basketball, to go and read John's books, Walk on Warrior, and No Fear in the Arena. 
both of them. I'll put links in the show notes. With each of them, you get that feeling as if John is in the room with you and you're just having a conversation and he's sharing what he's gone through or what Travis has gone through and does a really great job in terms of being able to be that storyteller in regards to himself and then also for Travis. So highly recommend checking out both of those and yeah, that it wraps it up for now and until next time.